Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and Dot 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 writer. LGBTQ ally and this week a tennis a tennis camp chauffeur. What is a tennis champ chauffeur? <laughs> Spell check you was might be to chauffeuring a tennis champ. You don't know. I don't know. No, he is not. <laughs> he has no intention. You never know. I'm Missy Stevens. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, child advocate, and today carrot harvester. We have enough carrots to put in our salad for dinner with some supplement from some store bought carrots. <laughs> Okay, photos to prove it. Yes, they're so cute. They're very cute. Today, we are thrilled to have Mecca Brown from Plan to Slay on the show. Mecca Brown is the founder of Career on Fire, a program that empowers women across the country to get clear about their career goals. After working through the program, they elevate their visibility to potential employers and have the confidence to see themselves in more fulfilling roles. Mecca is an expert at it and will walk you through the process every step of the way. When she's not being a busy bee at work, Mecca can be found with her family, enjoying a movie, visiting a foodie destination, or getting away for vacation. She is also into all things nerd, Beyonce, or movie related. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Love I am it. your quintessential mom, dot, dot, dot. I have a lot of dots behind, a lot of ellipses there. <laughs> yes. Perfect. That is exactly why we wanted to have you here. And we were really excited when our friend Allison Tedford, uh, hopefully yeah. listeners remember her, we interviewed her in episode 13 about her book, Chronic mm -hmm. Profit, and she hooked us up. But for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with you or plan to slay or career on fire, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to developing this program? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I am so grateful to be here. And Allison is my bestie. I love her dearly. So when she tagged me, it was just a match made in heaven to partner with you all. So thank you so much for that. Um, but if I, I love stories. So if I can take you back a little bit, you know, my journey is non-traditional. I was a teen mom. I had gotten a full paid scholarship to a top 10 university, UCSD, and then found out I was pregnant. And so <laughs> kind of yeah. needed to support my family while I went to okay. school. And I found that although I went to a great high school and I was going to a great college, I uh, was still struggling to find work that would pay me a living wage to support my children. Mm -hmm. I wound up working at the Career Services Center at UCSD while going to school. And my original role is just to answer the phones, but I'm a fast learner. And so my office manager put me in charge of the graduating seniors and walking them through their senior program, how they write their resume, write their cover letter and go through interviewing skills. And although the career counselors were the ones who were leading those discussions uh, with the graduating seniors, it was my job to make sure that they were tracked along the way. So I got to sit in and listen to a lot of the education that was being used. For those of you who are Generation X um, and some of us who are baby boomers, you may remember the book, What Colors Your Parachute? That was a fave of the career <laughs> oh, service. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. they made it every year. And so eventually I wound up entering the workforce full time and I began utilizing the skills that I learned while I was at Career Services Center to advance my career. 
if you think about some of the obstacles a person like me could face, I was a teen mom. I was a college dropout at the time because I had to work full time to support that child in California in the 90s. It was expensive, still is. Um, I'm an African-American. I'm a woman and I was plus size. So I had a lot of, and I was young. So, you know, young people have the mm-hmm. uh, perception of being flighty, having no work ethic, those types of descriptions. So there were a lot of labels that were slapped on my forehead before I ever opened my mouth. And I had to figure out a way to traverse those and advance my career. I knew advancement was the way to make more money. And so I studied the industry. I would read a lot of books from authors who offered perspectives on how to advance your career. I would talk to human resources. I talked to my boss. I find a mentor anywhere I could to learn nuggets of information and I would write it down. And I just built my own career strategy, career path program. Um, Right around the time I turned 30, I was making about $60,000 a year, which is pretty great considering where statistically I should have been as a teen mom. And so I realized that there were a lot of young people coming behind me who were walking the same struggle. And I started helping them. I come from a a family of women who believe in education and each one teach one, reach back, help the community, starting from my great grandmother all the way down to myself, my mom. Um, And so I decided, oh, excuse me, that's the dog. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I, I decided to uh, start helping others, you know, learn my path. And I did that for several years and watched others flourish, not only with me or equal to me, but in some cases I helped people flourish and advance past, you know, my level of success at that time. And then I came across this great life coach who I would go to Asheville, North Carolina to have a retreat. And she said, you got to stop giving it away for free. You can absolutely save the world. I know you're a superhero. You want to save the world, but you can also make this a business so you can reach more people and support yourself while you support others. And that's what led me about 12 years ago to officially become a career coach and launch Mecca and Brown Career Coaching, which eventually led to Plan to Slay. And my latest invention, which is Career on Fire. Career on Fire is literally a club that helps mentor women. Women know how to write resumes. They know how to write their cover letters and they know how to interview based on what they were taught in high school or college. But all of that is outdated. I have a program that brings in mentors every week where we tell you the latest and greatest information. We bring in recruiters and hiring managers and experts in dozens of fields so that you are always getting the latest and greatest information to help you build your strategy similar to the way I built mine. That's it. I love that so much. As someone who's been largely out of the workforce, I've worked, but I haven't really gone out there and looked for a job in the traditional way in a while. I'm so overwhelmed by how different things are. The last time I sent out bulk resumes, they were on paper folded in a letter-sized envelope with a stamp. (laughs) And since then, I have found my jobs. I've been really fortunate to find them through word of mouth and have changed things without having to go through that whole search. But I know that at any time I could have to go through that and I don't know how to do it. And I'm so glad to know you exist. I know. Thank you. I mean, you're changing lives. I mean, really. Yes. Well, we all need seats at the table, right? That is how we're going to change our country and make it better. So I'm going to use a nerd reference. Remember, I love story. One of my favorite phrases is always we're praying for Star Trek, but preparing for Skynet, right? So we all (laughs) hope for the best, but we know (laughs) 
the machines could take over at any time. It could all just crash and burn. Yep. Uh, and so in order for us to get to that Star Trek or that ideal you know, country that we want to be, we need as many diverse individuals at the table as possible. And so I'm just trying to find the pocket of individuals who need the most support um, and help give them the tools that they need so that they can succeed and get at the table. And in some cases, if they can't get to the table, they need to freaking build their own. You know, we don't have to always seat ourselves at someone else's table. Sometimes we build our own and bring our own community and tribe to that table. Multiple tables is what it's going to take to change our country, the environment, the politics, the health and wellness and education and the financial structure of our country. So I'm doing my part. I will never run for office. I cuss way too much. I love the F word. So you will never see me run for office, but I am perfectly comfortable sitting behind the scenes, helping to push and propel other women to greatness and having them sit at those tables. That's, I've already had my butterfly moment for this show. Like I, I get know. the butterflies every show for something. I love hearing about bringing all of these diverse women to the table to make yeah. change. Oh, yeah. so exciting. Because we've heard so many stories. Gosh, was it Suzanne Brown when we were talking to her about the percentage of women that leave the workforce because yeah. they feel like they don't have any other options, yeah. especially with COVID and some of the challenges financially. And yeah, so there's women who feel like they need to leave the workforce because they don't mm -hmm. have any other options for you know building their own table if they need to. Right. But then I think there's other women who maybe they did step aside to, you know, take care of children or take care of an aging parent and are wanting to get back in, but they're probably losing out on some opportunities because they don't know all those tips. They're probably mailing in some resumes without mm -hmm. thinking that it has to no get scanned by. Yeah, it's I mean, if no you don't have like the perfect keywords and if it's not totally scannable and that it doesn't get through that, the gatekeeper is no longer a secretary with a, you know, with an envelope opener. It is. Nope. It is a computer that's shooting through, I'm sure, thousands of these resumes a minute. Right. And if you miss that, then you miss your opportunity to be at that table. So, oh, so excited. And, you know, they're from the big picture and just finding your path and helping women with that. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day about yes. that. I know that we have sent you a list of some of the questions that we wanted to talk about. And they were really more, they were more nuts and bolts and nitty gritty, but I don't know. I, I still want to be so I big know. picture with you, but we have promised our listeners that we are going to do some of the nitty gritty too. So maybe we can kind of blend a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but I attended a great conference a couple of weeks back called I relaunch. Um, and it was I virtual. Her. I follow her. Yes. Yes. She's going to be a guest actually in a couple of weeks. Yes. So, so excited to talk to her too about helping her focus is not specifically women. It's no. just anybody who's been out of the yeah. career field for multiple years, mm -hmm. trying to be able to relaunch back into the workforce. But one of the questions a lot of our listeners had had was like, well, why do I need to bother with LinkedIn? I'm not looking for a job. You know, it's just that's something that you just put. It's like having a resume that you walk around with. But coming out of that conference, I definitely came out with like, no, it is never too early to start on your LinkedIn and make sure that you have that foundation built. So I would love to hear kind of your philosophy on LinkedIn. Yeah. If someone's just sitting there with no plan in the world to start looking for a job right now, what should they have in their LinkedIn? What can they be using it for right now? Yeah, love that. And what did I tell you I was? I'm a storyteller. Yes. So past 2005, so we're in 2021. 
I have never had to apply for a position cold. I have always either had a recruiter seek me out or a hiring manager seek me out for an opportunity for advancement. And so how did, how did that happen? Well, internally, people get to know you and your reputation. And one of the things that I teach in my, my service model is about building your influence, your professional brand at work. But LinkedIn is your dating profile. It's your employment profile, if you will, that shares with the world who you are. And just like with dating profiles, people say, oh, you know, I don't want to be online. I don't want to do online dating. It's scary. And then there are people who go for it in a gung-ho. LinkedIn is very much... Uh, has the same similar fear. So there are people who are afraid to put their information on LinkedIn because they are afraid that they will be judged, right? Mm -hmm. Not judged for their looks, but judged for their work experience. Do they have the right education? Do they have the right experience? Did they stay too long in this job? Did they stay too long in this role? And so it's the same fear and judgment of putting your dating profile online that mm -hmm. that same emotion translates to LinkedIn. Yeah. But if you don't, no one will find you. If you don't, it, it makes it more difficult for you to one, rank advance quickly and within your industry and advance. So I tell everybody, get a LinkedIn. Even if you are not working right now, get a LinkedIn and keep it together. Word of mouth is so important. You have no idea who's looking for someone who's exactly like you. We have this vision that everybody is the same. Employers want this cookie cutter boxed type of employee. And for years, that was the message that was sold. But we live in a world where information changes minute by minute. We know that. We see it in the news. We have apps that, that change our perspective in a moment's minute. Yeah. So we can't have everybody fitting in a box if the world is dynamic and constantly changing. Therefore, we need all of those dynamic people listed in one tool so that when someone needs to find your special secret sauce, they have a direct tool they can use to find you. So put your stuff on LinkedIn, sis. That's where you need to be. <laughs> so now, again, so what, what kind of information, and in particular, I know that LinkedIn has now just recently added these designations for stay-at-home Yep. type of fields that yeah. you can choose. I know that that, that was has, my question. Yeah, I that, saw that. That has yeah. been, um, I think, a real hesitancy for a lot of women who are stay at home moms for extended yep. period of time to do a LinkedIn because you're like, well, what am I going to put, you know, that I changed this many diapers or, you know, I took this kid to tennis lessons today. Okay. Um, so but that came out of that same I relaunch conference was that even uh, for women who think that that is actually a bad thing, that there are specific employers who are yeah. filtering and looking for that and find that very appealing. So are you seeing that as well? Is that your recommendation? So yes, but there are no black and whites with LinkedIn and there are no black and whites when it comes to having gaps in your resume. Okay? Mm -hmm. there, depending on where you live, the industry you are in, and the amount of time you were gone, that gap can help you be neutral to you, or it can hurt you. It's just mm -hmm. the truth. I've seen folks who have struggled to deal with that gap who live in the South, the Southern states, because that gap is still seen as a negative against women for choosing family over career, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, in some of the Midwest, 
and Eastern states, women being penalized because you put your your family over career. And then I've seen in other states where it's totally open, accepted, the employers are looking exactly for that. I've seen employers who look for those type of workers to almost exploit them, you know, because they recognize that someone coming back in to the workforce is probably going to work two times as hard because they have twice as much to prove. And, you know, you can bring them in and get a little bit more work, you know, uh, horsepower Mm -hmm. out of them. And so there's, there is no uh, clear cut answer to whether or not you should use this. What I say is talk to your career coach about that type of information in your situation. Some of my recommendations would be how long were you gone? You know, if you were gone a couple of years, that gap isn't going to hurt you. Unless you're someone who's in the tech industry, tech field, and your industry has gone through a huge disruption or change. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been gone five years, we may need to restructure that. We may need to actually put that designation in your LinkedIn profile and talk about some of the things that you did. You know, were you a stay-at-home mom or were you homeschooling your children? Were you building curriculum? Were you doing, because then we can layer in some of your project management skills that you utilize. We can layer in some of your organization skills into that description so that that chunk of time has an explanation, but that explanation shows that you didn't lose any of your skill sets. You actually continue to use them and in some cases advance them. So it really, and especially if you were a teacher, you know, or someone who was a trainer or someone who was a business analyst or a project manager role, then that transition makes sense. So it really depends on what your industry is, how long you were gone, where you live, um, and some of the employers you're interested in, you know, and that's going to determine whether or not it helps you, it's neutral to you, or it hurts you. And that's just the truth. Anyone who tells you, no, it's never going to, you never have to worry about it. It's 2021. You can totally have a gap and everybody's okay with you. It's doing you a disservice. That's just simply right. not true. You still have older generations who have that, that mindset in positions of power. They have taught that mindset to the generation below them and they are mm-hmm. in positions of power. So it depends on the dynamics that are present for your circumstances and where you want to be. So now we had a a listener submit a specific question, and I was thinking of it more around the resume area, but it probably applies to both resumes and LinkedIn. So she said, she said, the industry I previously worked in is obsolete, Um, paging and telecommunications. Pagers. uh, Pagers, yes. I have a college degree. How can I sell myself to employers when all of my work experience is so far in the past? So not only is, not only is there this gap. But even the experience that you would think of as work experience isn't necessarily something that's relevant today. So how, how do you work around that? So the model that I teach is called the keys to success and keys is spelled K-E-I, which is knowledge, experience and influence. And it is a triangle. And that is how you advance in your career. You need two legs to advance reasonably fast. And if you have all three legs, you can advance quickly. You can skyrocket. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that people run into is that experience piece. They're like, but you know, we were in pagers, no one pages anymore. Well, one hospitals, we still, I've worked in hospitals, worked directly with hospitals. We still page everybody. You can have a cell phone, but we're still paging. But let's set that aside for a moment. <laughs> your skill set wasn't paging. What was your skill set? You had That's to smart. organize meetings. You had to organize projects. When a new customer came in, you had to, you know, gather the customer's business requirements and gather, you know, the size of the organization and the number of units they would need and the the bandwidth. You had a list of skills that you used on a regular basis to build that. And the skills are what employers are looking for. So the challenge with resumes that I see when I do resume audits is so often people put 
their work assignments, what they did, but they don't use metrics and they don't focus on the skills. And so when you don't do that, as the young folks say, as our kids would say, you don't have your receipts. I need to see your receipts, right? Yeah. What are your receipts? Where's your proof of, of, of your skills and your capabilities and how you help that organization? So I can take a resume and somebody who had a role that at a company where the company and the industry may be obsolete, the skills utilized weren't. It's the skills that transfer. And that's what I would tell her to focus on. Um, I know somebody said they had a degree in English. Well, there's a belief that it's one of those junk or throwaway degrees. It depends on how you use it. Do you know how often we are in meetings where there are people who need writers for SOPs or PMPs, depending on what your industry Cause and people who need to write regulatory requirements. They need somebody with project management skills and writing skills, you know? So even that degree that is deemed a throwaway degree or even that industry that is obsolete can be transferred to real-time, real-life positions. You just have to have the right verbiage to do that. And it takes mm-hmm. sitting down and really looking at your receipts. Not, I was a person in, responsible for getting everybody their pagers, but what skills did you d- employ every single day? Let's get those skills on your resume and let's make those skills searchable on LinkedIn and on your resume right. so that when employers are looking for somebody with those skills, they know who to call. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of um, something Morgan Seaman, who has been on the show recently, was talking about repackaging your skill set yes. instead of thinking about it in kind of the old terms we used to use or thinking about our parenting skills, not as parenting skills, but as marketable business skills and just giving them a name. She calls that turning it into your superpowers. And I love that concept a lot Uh, that, yeah, there's a lot that we have to offer. You just, you need a, you need a coach. I think, I mean, we're coming to that more and more that people really do need a coach who understands the current environment and can find the right words. The president has a coach. Uh, Football teams have a coach. Football coaches have coaches. Tennis players Mm -hmm. have coaches. Musicians have coaches. Everybody needs somebody who understands their field and their goal and their dreams, who understands how the game is played, whether it's a physical game or, you know, Mm -hmm. the rules from an industry perspective, who can help guide you to greatness. There is no person who has ever achieved greatness who did not have a mentor or a coach behind them. There just isn't. You know, so you want that, but the challenge people have is they don't know the words to use, right? So their question is, okay, well, great. Yeah, I know I need to have transferable skills. You're not telling me anything new. How do I write that? Well, that's somebody, you need somebody who's an expert. You know, I speak English. I speak Spanish. I don't speak a lick of Japanese. If I needed to translate my information, my resume into Japanese for somebody, I would go to somebody who spoke the language. So when you are struggling with your resume and you say, I know that I can um, transfer these skills and I can use it to fill in these gaps and to show that I'm still marketable in today's market for my industry, you need somebody who speaks that language and can help translate for you, or you learn how to speak the language yourself, right? Right. So I'm a person who believes in DIY. So I give folks free resources all the time. They can go out and try to do it themselves or they can come to me and pay for my service. It really just depends on what level and how quickly they want to move. Learn the language or go to somebody to translate for you. And then when you talk about those superpowers, you know, you weren't just a mom, like, and I say just a mom facetiously, obviously, but you know, were you leading PTA meetings? Cause honey, 
I've been on the PTA. It isn't easy. Were you leading Girl Scout troops? You know, what were the things that you were doing? Those skills transfer over really, really well. And I think where people get stuck is they're like, well, I don't want to put that I was a Girl Scout troop mom. And I made sure that we baked brownies and met our cookie goals because then it sounds simplified, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, what we do is we say, okay, well, what did you do? What metrics were set? What plan did you create to ensure that you met the metrics? What uh, observation steps did you have along the way? And, and toll gates did you put in place throughout your plan to make sure you met those metrics? Like that's yeah. the language that you pull in to say how you sold the 5,000 boxes of cookies in three weeks. You probably rang my doorbell. As you can tell, I definitely have the body of the <laughs> Girl Scout cookie chick. We have uh, never turned a Girl Scout away at our house. Uh, never. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? I've, I've seen, I was like, God, please, the, the prayers, baby Jesus, precious, sweet, baby Jesus, manager, do not let them ring my doorbell again today because I will buy the cookies. Um, but you can, you can translate those skills. Um, yeah. You just need someone to help you translate or you need to learn how to speak the language of resume and write it yourself. And yeah. so when you say speak the language, I mean, this is a pretty literal speak the language. I mean, there are key words mm -hmm. people need to be aware of that programs are actively searching for and yeah. your resume needs to be written in a way that maybe, you know, it doesn't sound as beautiful and poetic as if you had written it the way you wanted to, but to a computer who's scanning for certain words, you know, it's perfect. That's what's going to get it noticed. And that's what's going to get you to the next step. And yeah, and that's called the uh, ATS, which is the applicant tracking systems that uh, medium and large size employers use. Believe it or not, for the small based employers, there's still somebody opening an envelope or still somebody going online to download your resume from like right. right? So there's still the secretary with her little glasses, you know, <laughs> at the small. But if you're looking for a medium or large size employer, they're using an ATS. Why? Because they have to protect themselves against discrimination. How do you prove that you are not systematically excluding women, systematically excluding LGBT, systematically excluding African-American or, or Latino-American applicants? How do you prove that? That's fascinating. You a, yeah, you need a tool. So your tool says, I only want to see applicants who meet this criteria. Well, how do I do that? We deploy an algorithm. The algorithm says, did they answer these four or five questions? Give them a ranking. Give them points for that. And then it looks for these other key words that represent the type of work the hiring manager is looking for. And it, it ranks everybody. So it says, okay, we're going to get about 2,000 applicants for this position. Rank everybody based on their keyword usage and the way they answered these four or five questions. And sometimes it's 10, you know, each employer is different. But how did they answer these four or five questions? And did they have the magical keywords? Let's assign them a point value. The hiring manager and the recruiter do not have time to interview 2,000 people. They don't have time to interview 200 people. They don't have time to inter interview 20 people. So if they get 2,000 applications, 10% of that is 200 and 1% is 20. So if they barely can get to 20 applicants, as an example, that's 1%. That means we've got to exclude 99% of the applicants. How do I do that without racial, gender, religion, political, sexual orientation bias being levied against me as an organization. I use an ATS system. So the very thing that's used to protect the employer makes it that much more challenging for us to get through. We've got to be strategic about how we present ourselves so that we can make it through the door and land on that recruiter's desk so that recruiter can even look at our resume and say, I want to give this girl a call and see if she's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. 
You kind of answered a question uh, when you were talking about the percentages that actually get through. I was thinking as you were talking, like how many people land a job this way? It seems really daunting to me. And I always say I have a butterfly moment every show. I also today had a like, oh crap moment. Like I could feel it in my chest. It was tightening. (laughs) And like how many people really are finding a job if if you're lucky to have less than 1% of the resumes even go to the recruiter? So that's a great question. And one of the things that I do with Career on Fire is I'm constantly speaking to recruiters, right? Because their performance is based on how quickly they close these roles, right? So if they're closing them with great applicants who stay and benefit the employer, hey, they get their bonus that were, you know, they get their promotions. Yeah. And so when I you talk to them, here are the challenges. If I went to look for a job today, I would have to apply to 10 or 15 different roles. So I show up on 10 or 15 different recruiters. ATS tracking tools because I've applied. So how do you get to 2000 people? Well, it's multiple people applying uh-huh. on you know, the country. So you can have a million jobs open and you can have 5 million people out of work, but those 5 million people are not applying to one job. They are applying to multiple. And so mm-hmm. it just inflates the numbers and you've got to have a way that, that has no zero discrimination that allows people to stack rank and make it through. What I tell people is you have to uh, tweak your resume to make you the MVC, most valuable candidates, my favorite phrase. How do you do that? You focus on what they say they want, not what you offer. It ain't about you. It's about them. So what Mm -hmm. are they looking for in their job description? And you tailor your resume to your industry and to those job descriptions without having to write a new resume every day, because I do not subscribe to that. There's methods you can employ where you're using similar keywords and similar key verbs to demonstrate that you are appropriate for multiple positions. That's a great Daunting. idea. So yeah, I mean, part of me was like, oh, I want to know specifically what keywords should I be using? And I'm sure just like one of your answers before, it depends. It depends which yeah. job you're yeah. going for. It depends which field. It depends all this. Yeah. And I know you have some great posts on your website specifically around keywords and a lot mm-hmm. of these subjects. So we will put links to those in the show notes so people can kind yeah. of go read those. My um, resume resource, if you'd like, I could send you a link and everybody could get that for free. I offer that for free. It's free on my LinkedIn. If you go to my LinkedIn, it's free on my website. It's free everywhere. So use that because it teaches you how to find those keywords. One of the ways that yeah. I cheat, and you'll, you'll love this, is I have an aggregator where I say, okay, tell me what are your top five jobs that you would want to apply for? Like if you could get hired today, go find me five job descriptions. And I take those job descriptions and I literally throw them into my aggregator. And it tells me for these five job descriptions, what the top 10, 20, 30, 40 words were and how often they repeat it. So if all five jobs say that they want somebody who has Medicare experience, as an example, I come from healthcare operations as a background. Mm -hmm. Don't you think the word Medicare should be on your resume? (laughs) Don't you think it should be on LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. So that tool, that free resource that you guys have teaches you to look for those types of words in that job description. Um, And preferably not just one, but like the top four or five jobs you'd like to apply for, look at them and see what words keep jumping out as repetitive and make Mm -hmm. sure those are in your resume because those will help you stack rank and filter to the top. Yeah. It's almost like you mimic the language of the job description, right? You're just like, yeah, like when you're you're mirroring mirroring people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to be careful because, you know, uh, the latest, you know, we've got those Gen Z's in our house. And so I'm on tickety talk, TikTok (laughs) with my kids. Love TikTok. 
And there's a lot of current coaches on there and job search coaches. And there's a lot of bad advice. I saw someone say, take the job description, copy it, make it font one, make the font color white and paste it in the footer of your resume so that you'll pop. As if the ATS system will not recognize that 100% of the job description is in your resume. You know, so there's a lot of bad advice out there. So you don't want to mimic, you don't want to copy. What you want to do is demonstrate that you have those skills and abilities and experience that they're looking for in your resume, in your Mm -hmm. own words. So I I want you to to get to their desk. I want you to get to interviews, but I want you to get there the right way based on your own receipts and your own documented Mm -hmm. experience while leveraging the keywords and key skills that they're looking for as well. That is a really important distinction. See, that's yeah, why you I need could a coach. end up in the interview and then not able to back up your own resume would be pretty yeah. embarrassing. Honey, I can I can get to the interview for you know to be an astronaut for NASA, but as soon as I get there and they ask me a question, I can't do it. You know, so there's you can always cheat to the interview, but when you get to the interview, they're going to ask you specific questions. You know, we have in the club last month we did because each month is a different theme. Last month it was interviewing skills. And so it's funny because, you know, I have a doctor, a lawyer, and then I have four people in healthcare operations in one of the different pods that we have. And they all showed up and they said, oh, we got interviewing skills. I know how to interview. And I asked one technical question and they all failed. (laughs) (laughs) They all failed. They're like, wait, what? And I'm like, I'm like, you are so accustomed to, uh, you know, questions that say, tell me about yourself and tell Mm -hmm. me what your goals are that you don't realize that recruiters and hiring managers are moving to technical questions. They need people with expertise. The workforce is shrinking. The knowledge base of the workforce is shrinking like crazy. And if if employers want to be number one or maintain their position or even advance their position within their industries, they need the best and the brightest. And they can't get that asking you about your feelings and what your goals are. They can get there by asking you what your technical experience is so that they can advance. And so that piece is important because that recruiter and that hiring manager got to make sure that you know your stuff. They're going to ask you technical questions. And if you can't answer them, they're going to kick you out the door. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh my gosh. We're going to need to have you back on because there are so many questions. We've just scratched the surface. And we did. And I love, I mean, I I talk about this all day. I'm passionate about, you know, people having the right tools in place so that they can advance their career. And I want us to begin to think about our career, not like it's, I only have to do my resume when I want to look for another job. Do you remember uh, a time, and your age is going to answer this question for us, right? Do you remember a time where you didn't even know what your credit score was and you didn't care about credit scores because you didn't know what it was? (laughs) I'm of that generation where I remember that. They didn't teach it in school. I didn't know what credit score was. I'd never heard of it. Who, who, wait, and it wasn't even experience. We didn't have credit karma like my, my kids have today and they know what their yeah. credit scores are and they're, you know, oh, yeah. tracking it. But they understood that, you know, financial education was key. It was lifelong and that they needed to monitor their credit even when they weren't trying to buy a house, even when right. they weren't trying to buy a car, even when they weren't trying to po- apply for a credit card, you needed to know where you were so that when the time came to buy the house, buy the car, get the credit card, you knew where you stand. The same thing is true for careers. And that's the mission that I'm trying to do is to get people to change the way they think about their career. It isn't 
when it's time for me to apply for a new job, I'll work on my resume. I'll put together all of my experience. No, I want you tracking that all year long. Even if you're happy at your job and you love your boss and you're never, ever going to leave this role because it is the perfect one for you. That's great. Track your information. So that's the mission. Just like you track your credit now, just like we track our finances, we need to track our career. And then when it comes time, because you have your LinkedIn updated and a recruiter happens to search LinkedIn and find that you have the skills that they are looking for and the secret sauce, then they will reach out to you. When they reach out to you, you are prepared to answer their technical questions because you have stayed on top of your information the whole time. Whether you've worked consistently or even if you've had a break because you took time to take care of a for your children or a sick family member. You know, a lot of us had to take time off to take care of somebody for COVID. Mm -hmm. So we all have these opportunities for breaks and gaps. That does not yeah. mean that we can't advance our career. We should always be thinking about career advancement. We should always be thinking about the next step, even when we're happy with the step that we're on. Right. That is like, ooh. Yes, that no. makes me so motivated. I I, I actually yes. want to go break out my resume today. So <laughs> Got to go dust it off. <laughs> it makes me really motivated to not be the last time that I was actively looking for a job. And like I said earlier, I ended up finding it through a friend of a friend. But they still, the company that hired me still wanted my resume. And I had to scramble to get yeah. it cleaned up. I don't ever want to do that again. No yeah. more scrambling. Yeah. Because you really, I mean... It takes some time. You got to go back in time to think about some of those jobs and really think about what did I do? What were my responsibilities? What were some of those accomplishments? And that is kind of a, I mean, that's one of those things that like two weeks from now, one of the things might pop in my head in the shower, but they're not going to do that unless I'm actively thinking about it, unless I'm yeah. like digging into it. You need to give your brain permission to be thinking about these things so that, you know, they can pop up and you can start keeping track of them. So a neat trick that I teach my, my members in my club is, you know, you're not going to remember everything that you went through and all of the, you know, opportunities that you had at your past job, but you know who will? The people you complain to. So I encourage them to say, hey, uh, to call mom or whoever you normally talk to about work, if you have two or three best friends, or if you are still friends with a past coworker who worked at that company, just shoot them an email or a message and say, hey, I'm trying to think of some of the projects that we worked on when you and I were both at ABC Cosmetics five years ago or 10 years ago. And I'm trying to think of what the projects are. Do you remember any challenges we had or projects or any time we had to do like a couple months of overtime? Like, what were we working on? What do you remember? You'd be surprised how many other people will remember those projects for you. Jog your memory and then you uh -huh. can write it down. So you don't have to do this. We can hive mind this together, right? Mm. So think about who those key people are in your life and take some time to ask them those questions and see what yeah. they say that jogs your memory and use that. That's yeah, another start. great reason to start early and have, yeah. do it yeah. all the time Yeah, because you have time to reach out to all of these people. You can't call them on Tuesday night and say, I have to interview on Thursday. <laughs> what did yeah. we do? What, what, was, what was my job? Like six months. What was that project? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this is our assignment for today. I'm going to go dust off that resume. Oh my gosh. The fact oh. that it's still a piece of paper collecting dust is scary. <laughs> at least tell me you have to go find which file it's in. Yeah, mine it's is in here high. somewhere. You it's so dig. old that even the file's dusty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
It's not on a floppy disk. I promise it's not on a floppy disk. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Mecca, there's so much more that, okay, we need to have yeah. you back. I think after this episode runs, we'll accumulate some more questions that people yes. are like, what else, what else? And then we're going to yeah. make you come back. But in the meantime, what is the best way for listeners to reach out to you if they want to get your coaching services or just read some of your amazing articles and get some of your tips? Yes, I would love if you connected with me on LinkedIn, number one, because that means you have to create a LinkedIn. You see what I did? There? <laughs> I um, like it. And so it's normally just linkedin.com forward slash IN and then forward slash uh, my at symbol is Mecca M Brown. So M E C C A, letter M again, B R O W N, and you'll find me. I'm on Instagram at Plan to Slay. So if you're an Instagram person, I post things there. And then if you are a Facebook person, um, my Facebook is also at Mecca and Brown and it's Mecca and Brown career coaching. So I try to post information in three different resources. So whether you're an IG person, a Facebook person or a LinkedIn person, you're getting the same information. And the biggest thing is to join my club. Um, for me, having a, a place where you can come in and every week get simple bite-sized assignments that help you advance your career, I think is a lot easier than trying to compile everything when it's on the spot. Kind of like what you were saying, Missy, of, mm -hmm. you know, having two minutes to get it done, you know. Yeah. Um, I've got folks who I have pharmacists, doctors, I have lawyers, and I have regular everyday folks who are just trying to make it to subject matter expert or team leader supervisor. I've got, you know, folks who are Gen X and who are millennial. And I even have one who's a baby boomer. I have people who are moms and not moms. I have a Gen Z. Uh, I have non-binary. I have men, you know, um, people in the club. It really is about bringing you together and giving you the right advice. So I would love for folks to join careeronfire.com.co, excuse me. .co, okay, perfect. Yeah, we will put but, all of that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and now, Mecca, we love our look, listen, learn segment where we share something that we've been watching or listening to or learning about this week. So Mecca, have you been look, listen, learning anything? Yes, yeah, so I, I had, I did my little three L's. Um, so two <laughs> things, one, uh, for the longest time, I tried to stay away from The Handmaid's Tale. I am a political, <laughs> I am a feminist, I am an ally for the LGBT community, uh, I am, you know, an advocate for disenfranchised people, and I was just not going to watch The Handmaid's Tale. I didn't care how great it was, I was not going to do it. And then I went on Puppy Watch, my uh, uh, standard poodle was pregnant. So I kind of had to stay by her side. And so I had to watch some TV and y'all suckered me into watching the handmaid's tale. And I'm like <laughs> in there now, like, right. Like I am current episode. I binged all the seasons in a week and a half. And so what am I looking at? Handmaid's tale. Oh, oh <laughs> and then, I love it. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. <sighs> I need to come hang out with you because one of our main topics of conversation is how my husband, he just can't even, he cannot even. So he, uh, we can't binge it. He'll let me have like one and then we have to go a couple days. He's like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and I was already through season three, but I was like, well, I'll watch him with you again. We'll get caught up so we can watch season four. But I'm like, dude, you are taking forever. <laughs> you may just need to skip ahead and watch season four by yourself because <laughs> yeah. it's almost over. Yeah. And I heard they're having a season five, which I have to tell you, it actually made me mad. I wanted a bow on season four. Yeah. I right. wanted to be like, we're done with yeah. this world that is making me crazy. 
the craziness of that, the especially with the political environment, it, the way it is, not even just like in 2020, but even at post-election, our political environment makes me feel like this is, uh, like this is not as far-fetched. We already know from the book that everything that has happened in the book has happened in, to women somewhere around somewhere. the world in real life. So yeah. we already know that the actions the terrible actions are our reality, but could all of this exist in America, our utopia? We love this place, never. And I, I just don't buy that. You know, it, they've made done a really good job of showing how easily we could slide into this, this path. So yep. that has been my, uh, that and rewatching all the seasons of Supernatural, um, just because <laughs> I love the boys. Um, oh. So those two things have been what I've been looking at and loving. And then listening to, I have a, a business coach I love, Rachel Rogers. She just dropped a book called We Should All Be Millionaires. And it talks about getting women wealth because again, like me as a career coach, but her focusing on entrepreneurs, if women you know, have seats at the table and control money, then we can change the world. So that's what I've been listening to. And then I started listening to your podcast because I got introduced to you by Allison. So I was Yay, like, hey. thank you. I was like, hey, let me listen to you. So I know your personalities and I know who you are. <laughs> um, you still and, came yeah you still showed up today because <laughs> we're like cousins cousins I love it I feel like that like I, I vibe with you guys and then um, what have I been learning um I have been in healthcare operations and working medical for 25 years um the chief one of the chief medical officers at my former employer, uh, Optum, says I have an honorary medical degree because, you know, I will, the, all the doctors, all the physicians will sit there and make all these medical assessments. I'm like, we can't do that because of this. And I'm the only person who doesn't have a medical degree. So they're like, it used to be hash, hush. And now they're like, well, wait a minute, let's hear what she has to say. Oh, you, know? So, yes. you know, so I have, you know, I know a lot about medical. Um, and then I decided to breed my poodle and have dogs and realize I didn't know nothing. So what I've been <laughs> learning is uh, medical or veterinary medicine for dogs and raising puppies and puppy culture and badass breeder culture and all these curriculums, you know, you start teaching the puppies from the day they are born um, certain traits and behaviors so that by the time you hand off this dog to a family home, that dog or that puppy has the right skills and temperament to flourish in that new home. And so it's like a new skill set. So I'm all things dog, you know, what do oh, they, what, what do they, you know, nutrition, uh, medicine, prescriptions, um, just everything, all things dog. That's what I've been learning. So are you in a bunch of dog Facebook groups now? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hate Facebook, but nobody does groups that like Facebook, you know, and I know there's my right. works and some others, but no one does community like Facebook. So I don't know, Marcus still has me tied into, um, sorry about all that noise in the background. I hear um, a little doggy, doggy trying feet. to get in. Mom's yeah. in. I apologize. And um, no. yeah, I, I love the way they do community. And so I'm probably in like 30 different Facebook mm -hmm. groups for different types of dogs, whether yep. they're breeding or golden doodles, just learning and immersing myself in this world. Cause you know, I don't like to half-ass anything. I like to do it. whatever I do. I want to do it well. And yes. so um, that's my new education that I've been learning for the past uh, few months. Thank goodness for Facebook groups. Yeah. When I, my thing was when I was uh, shopping for a hot tub, I got into a bunch of hot tub groups. And I tell you, this is a, that's a whole no nother world. <laughs> And then I started seeing hot tub stuff, I guess, because I communicate with Suzanne on a lot of things on Facebook. I started seeing hot tub stuff. And I'm like, why 
am I in this, like, am I in a hot tub club and didn't know it? But I saw, I learned a lot of hot tub stuff accidentally. Uh, yeah. I may, have, I may have joined you on purpose. I don't know. I think we have, <laughs> probably because we have a group together. I'm sure it links us somehow. Yeah. It's like, if she wants to see this, you probably want to see it too. So. Right. We are of one mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what have you been look, listen, learning, Missy? Okay. Well, I have sort of a, it's sort of funny. It's maybe sort of sad. Um, but you know, when you have teenagers and they want to do something, you want to be all in with them so that you have that shared experience because sometimes it's hard to find common ground. So my teenager wanted desperately to watch the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight. Does anyone even know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I've heard bits of it. Okay. So Logan Paul, I now know, this is my learn. I learned he's like a YouTube sensation. He makes crazy amounts of money and started, I think, with some sort of Pokemon connection. So maybe Suzanne has a Pokemon pro at her house. I didn't know who Logan Paul was. I didn't follow Logan Paul. And then, of course, we all know who Floyd is. And um, I think Floyd Mayweather made, I may have these numbers wrong, but I believe he was paid $10 million for the fight. Mm-hmm. another 30 million for the, wearing the logos on his shorts. Yeah. And oh I think gosh. Logan Paul made significantly less, but still a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So we paid for this fight. We paid $50 to watch it on pay-per-view. I've never paid for anything on pay-per-view in my life. I had a girlfriend from college here visiting and we all sat around the five of us sat and watched this fight, which started really late at night again old and um we watched the fight and nobody won they didn't keep score and we're pretty sure at some point logan paul was knocked out and floyd mayweather like held him up and like got him back because i think they were paid to not have it be a knockout i'm I'm making a big jump here and a big assumption but like nobody was knocked out Oh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and Roby is not a professional boxer, um, but he has been yeah. really hard and having other matches to build up his credibility so that he can actually enter yeah. the world, um, the world of boxing. Not because he thinks that fighting is great, but all he has to do is wear shorts and make thirty million. You know, make thirty That's, million dollars. Well, and you have to be someone like Floyd May- Mayweather to make that kind of money. Like he, right. he is the the uh, juggernaut in that industry right now. And there's the mm. Conor McGregor and a few others out there. Yeah. They, they make that money, but they had to work their way up. And so Logan Paul's was trying to do it like everybody else. Working his way up. I think Mayweather said something to, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that this was a legal bank heist. Yeah. Because he (laughs) knew he was just making cash off of this. It was super entertaining. It was entertaining to see who all was there. It was just so funny, but that's what I watched this weekend. (laughs) Something I would normally never watch. I had seen Floyd Mayweather fight before because we have friends who do follow boxing. So I saw the McGregor Mayweather fight, which I, I mean, I don't know much about boxing beyond what I learned from my obsession with Rocky as a young child. Obsessed. <laughs> had a poster on my wall, like, but that's my boxing knowledge is Rocky. I don't know that it's oh, 100% current. Um, so I watched that this week and um, listening to this one sounds weird, but it's mom goal, like mogul, but it's mom goal. Oh, I've listened and to that. It's a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So good. It's their tag is making moms into moguls. And it's really short. They have great advice from, I mean, everything you can imagine. Some of it's fun and fluffy, like makeup. And some of it's really serious, like career and the hosts are entertaining. And so I love it. That's a one I would definitely add to your list for 
it's perfect for like short bursts of doing chores and stuff around the house and you can get some mom goal information. So what about you, Suzanne? What are you up to? Okay. So my look is going to sound like an echo to our previous episodes because I think you used it as a look once. And I think Lauren Smith Brody a couple of weeks ago had Mm -hmm. it as a look. But I finally, it's been on my nightstand for ages, but Jess Leahy's new The Addiction Inoculation, Raising Healthy Kids in a Culture of Dependence. It's so good. It's so good. And I know that um, Lauren Smith Brody was saying that she just does a really exquisite job of weaving personal, mm-hmm. not personal essay, but personal stories with research. And it's really, it really has her voice. It's super yep. fun. Even though there's a lot of research and stuff in it, it has a light Jess voice to it. And it's a really heavy topic. And somehow so you don't yeah. feel heavy while you're reading it, but you do, no. you're learning a lot. I, and I have been learning a lot. And I think I was telling Missy, I have not had a glass of wine with dinner since I've been reading this. That's for sure. And not, and it's not even because I'm like, granted, COVID has not been my best place for the amount of uh, bourbon and wine that I've consumed. But this idea of the habit of it, I'm still way at the beginning of it, but I got to a page where they're like, it's more of a habit, a behavior Mm -hmm. that's become like ritualized. I was like, oh, it has become a ritual. Yeah, It's just, it's not even that I even want a glass of wine. It's that I'm making Mm -hmm. dinner, so I pour a glass of wine. And then I get that, up in the morning, I drive to Starbucks. Yeah. And right. it's the same thing with coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, and it's one of those things, you know, to not do it was just as easy. I mean, I have a much harder time, like not having a cookie or like going past <laughs> that part of the pantry, but it really was just this decision to like, just not have that be the habit. I know that not everybody has that situation where, you know, a habit is probably very easily leads into addiction for some other people. So I'm just, I'm just being more conscious of that decision. And like, am I just doing this because that's what I do when I make dinner or do I actually want it? And then last night I was like, oh, I am having something that I would like to have a nice, nice Chardonnay with. And so, the, but that was the decision of like, yeah, this, this salmon would be really nice with a glass of Chardonnay and that's going to be the drink I have with my dinner. But it wasn't a... Oh no, I just I just happened to be boiling water, so it's time to go to the fridge and pop <laughs> right. a bottle of wine. So it's just made me more conscious of it. Um, and it's made me think more about how I have those discussions with the kids and you know, and about how we do make those decisions because yeah, that it hasn't always been the way. I gotta tell you, COVID and Trump Ooh. made me made me a, a two glass of wine a night girl. Definitely. And it, and it really was it that shouldn't necessarily be the way that I get through tough times. But I mean, holy sh! <laughs> I mean, it, we had a, it was a tough, it was a tough 16 months there. Well, four years plus. We, four years. We are, we are creatures of habit. We yeah. are that we are mammals of habit. So we are always going to find a habit to employ, to deal with stress, whether it is drinking, whether it's exercise, whether it's reading, whether it's, you know, we are going to find a habit and practice to relieve stress. That's just how we are. So mm-hmm. finding healthy methods makes the most sense. Um, being, I told you I was in healthcare for 25 years. One of the things I used to do is admit people for drug and chemical dependency into the hospital for detoxification. 
And going through that and learning about how the brain works and what makes something addictive versus habit and why some people struggle to fight addiction, you know, fight their disease versus those who say, okay, I'm going to quit and quit cold turkey or, you know, can go through an actual program and successfully go through one time and quit and never touch again. Yeah. Addiction versus habit. Mm -hmm. When we make it a ritual, a habit is the pathway that leads to addiction. So habit is that. Habit is like the gateway to so many different things, but we are creatures of habit. So the goal is not to get rid of habit. The goal is always to find healthy habits to employ to relieve our stress. Yes. So I am trying to make those healthier habits and those better decisions. Yes. Yes. So and the conscious decision part of it, I think, is huge. Yeah. You know, I think I was. I think you and I were texting about it. Like when we are at something social. Yeah. I want to have a drink and I don't have any problem with that, but it's that subconscious decision of, Hey, we always have a glass of wine when we watch this show, or we always have a drink with dinner or something. That is the thing I'm trying to be really aware of and not just. Yes, definitely. And, and I have the genetic privilege in the sense that I am not predisposed. We don't have a family history of addiction and it really is just a, it's just a habit with me. Yeah. Our family is definitely riddled with addiction of various kinds. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like it's just an off on decision for all people, but yeah. Right. It's not, no, it's not, but, but yes. So that, that is an amazing book for, for anybody, parents, anybody, addiction inoculation, just Leahy. Um, and then the learning, oh God, I'm learning all about college, college coaches. It's a lot. Holy cow. All the college coaches that I have been learning about literally cost more than my entire college education. Which, I mean, <laughs> granted, not everything. My, my, uh, I went to the University of Idaho back in the 90s, 90s, and it was $800 a semester. And, um, and these coaches wow. are more than that. And I'm sure that they are very worth it in the sense of getting kids into schools. But I think Missy, I know you did not that level of coaching, but for some mm-hmm. of the essays and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And I think there is a, there's definitely a price that is worth paying to not be the nag on your kids. Um, and that's to every, not, it's worth every penny and to not be, see, here's the other thing. Okay. So we've got Julie Lithcott Hames coming on in a couple of weeks and for, I'm going to bring up another book, how to raise an adult, uh, by Julie Lithcott Hames is all about, and also just Leahy that we talked about the addiction inoculation who had the book, the gift of failure is all about mm-hmm. like not being the parent who's calling the admissions office, and like right. trying to, trying to do all the college process. So I'm almost thinking hiring a coach is worth it. So I don't break every rule in this book and that I'm not applying for my own college. Like I can see me trying to own that and uh-huh. my daughter just being, being this bystander of like, what, what just happened? Um, so yeah. I, I'm really trying to, that's, I've been learning about myself and how cheap I am because I don't want to pay for it, but also learning about myself and recognizing that I am going to take over this process and turn it into my college search instead of her college search. If I don't have someone that I am paying for their expertise to do that and help with that. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) It's an extreme privilege to be able to do it. I think we're both really aware of that, that this is 
definitely yeah. coming from a place of privilege and there are resources available for less money that can help through this process. But I think yes, and it makes if me it is available to you, it. well, and if it's available to you and you are able to do it, I do think it takes you out of that middleman role with your kid. And yeah. from what I'm hearing from all of my friends who have kids heading off to college, that last 18 months or so is really stressful because your kid is trying to separate they're, they know they're branching out and doing something new and different, and they're trying to be a grown up, but they're still a kid. And so there's just a lot of push and pull and personalities going on. And so if I can eliminate one area of nagging, and I can focus on some other areas of nagging, then maybe that'll <laughs> help our relationship and help the process be a little less painful. Um, there's just a lot, there's a lot of emotion around that. And yeah. If a college coach can get my kids to bring their cups and bowls downstairs, then I would pay <laughs> I would pay twenty million dollars for that. <laughs> oh, but I anyway. thought of you this morning when I had three cups on my bedside table. I was like, I'm oh, a teenager, and a are. coffee, and a smoothie, and a water. <laughs> I'm down to I'm down to one. I just got my my mom and podcast. There you go. I waited until right. I was in my forties to make my bed. Like I rebelled. As an adult, when I got my own place, I'm never making my bed. Making my bed is stupid. I'm never going to make my bed. And I'm saying, no, <laughs> at 38, I started making my bed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you're talking about telling them to bring the bowls and stuff downstairs and stuff, like, like I have a housekeeper that does some of that stuff. But like when it comes to like, like I, I've always been the person to tell my kids what, uh, pick and choose what's important to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not fighting it. Like, like we have to have cleanliness because we don't want bugs, but mess, yep. I'm not fighting over mess. It's your mess. You want to live in your mess. It's fine. Mess is not in the dirt. <laughs> Them two yeah, cups, bugs are not okay though. No, those two cups can sit there. Those two cups grow mold. Mm, we got a problem. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, we differentiate mess. That's right. Dirt. <laughs> no oh dirt. Mess is okay. You didn't yeah, make well, it bad. I'm not going to kill you. Well, my son had a cockroach in his room. And he's like, oh. Oh, why is that in there? I was like, why would that not be in there? It's like this <laughs> gorgeous cockroach buffet in there. Why would it? I'm surprised you don't have a family of rats living in here, too. I don't oh. know. Why would well, it? Mess versus dirt. They're two different things. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's so true. It's not dirt. I don't do dirt, but mess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to decide where to draw our lines. <laughs> I'm very proud of you for making your bed though. That's, that's I a do. good step. I, I showed it to you right now, right over there. You say it's made. I'd be so proud. <laughs> Mine probably is not because my dogs jump in there and wrestle it if I make it. So oh, no. <laughs> the, the bed we just ordered it does not come in until mid October, but, um, when it comes, we've got like between now and October to teach them not to destroy this gorgeous leather bed that we just bought. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to make that bed, that bed. <laughs> yeah. That bed costs more than yeah. my college education. I'm a bed maker Idaho. for sure. I'm cheating. Okay. Wait, it's Idaho and the nineties. So in all fairness, does it really count? <laughs> <laughs> Like we need to do like, you know how like for like when they're trying to determine like what's the highest grossing movie, they like extrapolate out like, well, yeah, tickets were only $2, but now if that, if those same tickets were sold 
in twenty twenty one at ten fifty. This is how much like we need to do that for your college. So like we do dollars back then, but if we extrapolate it, your college was like forty grand. <laughs> and because yeah. uh, you know. And I'm not dissing on University of Idaho at all. Um, in fact, we were just talking about how great their veterinary school is when we did our when we had our brothers on uh, the other night. So yeah, not dissing on them, but I'm talking no. about whether you go to you know a two year school or a four year school or where you do it or how much it costs. It can be the best school in the world, but if you just are sliding by, you're not going to get anything about out of it. If you go to a community college and study and do your best you're going to get a lot out of it. Just what you put yeah, into it. I'm going to be really controversial because you first need to decide if you even need to go. Right. Yes. No, that I, I, I don't find that controversial at all. I find that. Yeah. I have so many women who come to me who say, you know, okay, I'm doing this and I'm getting right. I just finished my PMP certification and now I'm going to go for my master's. And I'm like, why? Who was asking for the master's? Mm -hmm. Show me where you have whole like Silicon Valley. So your Cisco, your Google in Northern California, who, who helped propel that you've got to have a degree to get into the IT tech sciences and then force people to go to all these expensive schools to get these fancy IT tech degrees. They all just said, you don't have to have a degree to work for them. Why'd they mm -hmm. say that? Because remember how I said, if you can't sit at their table, you build your own. So yep. people who, who learned coding online started creating companies and then getting venture capital funding and doing startups and taking business away from the big guys. And they were accepting mm -hmm. people who didn't have degrees. And so they said, well, now we need people. We, we need the right. people that's going to them because they're helping them advance faster than we are. So maybe yeah. we should drop the degree as well. And so- yep. I would, I always caution people. I am a, a fan of education when it makes sense. Yep. Yes. It doesn't make sense. If you're not going to be the doctor, the lawyer, if you're not going to be the architect, I need you. If you're going to build the next spaceship to have that, that, that <laughs> please, degree. if you were going to operate you. on my body, I need you to have a degree. I'm going to need you to have that degree. Uh, mm -hmm. If you were just going to go for your liberal arts degree, or if you're just going to college because that's the thing to do and you need some form of bachelor education, I would challenge you. You know, I made multiple six figures a year when I left my job. I still mm -hmm. don't have a degree. Yep. That single parent, uh, poor black child, teen mom still doesn't that's have That's an education. And I'm <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I've got so many women from diverse backgrounds who make just as much and more working with me who don't have that education either. So yeah. make sure if you're choosing education, you're choosing it for the right reasons and not right. because you should have a degree. Yep. I love it. Just another should. We talk about don't should on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yes! Don't should on yourself. <laughs> don't should on don't let mama say, I always dreamed one day my children would get a degree. No, nope, we're not living nope. this life. <laughs> See, I just keep telling my kids I want them to go to college so I can visit. Yeah, like <laughs> I want you to make a life, not yeah. a living. I want you to make a life. I want you to find what fills yourself. And I want you to be able to afford to live not in my house. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. However you make that happen. Yes. I want you to go out into the world and do you. Um, and if that's college, that's college. And if it's not, that's fine. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And if I don't have to pay for college, that's okay too. Girl, can I, can I <laughs> say amen? <laughs> <laughs> want all this money. 
Now it's like 30,000, you know, the schools that I, my son got, accept, my 19 year old got accepted to, they want 30, 40,000 a year. Who, in what world? What are you gonna give him for that education? Well-rounded education. I'm like, he is a six foot three black child in America. He is well-rounded. He don't need that. So tell me what you're gonna give him that's real education. Yeah. And they're like, well, we're gonna teach him about coding. He can learn that online. What, what value are you giving? And so we have found other schools that are less expensive that give him the value that he needs. But these yeah. little art schools, 30,000 30, Yeah, are you gonna teach him $40,000 worth of stuff every, you're not, nope. you're not. It blows my mind how expensive it but is now. But he'll be well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh we need this is another discussion too uh, we need to yes okay we're we're having you back on uh, your poor dogs are sitting there waiting for their photo shoot i, feel like I know they've right. got their makeup on and they're ready to go <laughs> thank you thank you for being here thank you i will come back whenever you want me Oh, awesome. okay. You better not say that because we'll be like next week. Hey, yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to stalk me. You can find me. Yes. <laughs> yes. We will be following you. I'm going to go read every single article. Although all the ones I've read so far, I'm like, highlight, highlight, highlight. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I need to do that. Exactly. That's oh, fine. well, so excited to finally talk with you and yes. I look forward to continuing conversations with you. Yeah. And we'll see you soon. Yeah. Yes, thank you absolutely. so much. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>